0: Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to continue with our search for truth in regard to the fundamental question of the gospel as Jesus preached it. What did Jesus mean by the term Kingdom of God when he invited his audiences to repent because the Kingdom of God is at hand? Mark 1:14 and 15. We've been suggesting that the massive fragmentation of the Church into multiple different denominations, all unable to agree with each other, and the general confusion and perplexity about exactly what the Gospel is, these things, we think, can be traced to an initial Gentilizing and Hellenizing of the faith in the very early centuries of Christianity. It was shortly after the death of the Apostles, And the apostles, of course, had warned of this, that alien elements would enter the faith and distort it and pervert it. There's a great deal of scholarly testimony to the fact that exactly that thing did happen, starting from the second century onwards. I read, for example, from one standard authority the following statement. The influence of Platonism can also be recognized in the doctrine of the immortality of the soul, End of quotation. Now the doctrine of the immortality of the soul has been standard orthodox doctrine in the mainline churches and yet it is the influence of Platonism says this historian which is recognized in that doctrine of the immortality of the soul. I continue with the quotation here. Primitive Christianity related the hope of immortality to the person, death and resurrection of Jesus. But as Christianity expanded it added to itself philosophical arguments in the difficulties which the gentile church felt in accepting a belief in the physical resurrection platonic spiritualism came to its aid says this authority later augustine in his tract on the immortality of the soul de immortalitate animae augustine took over many of the arguments By which Plato had supported his belief in immortality, and which had been repeated by the later academy, as well as by the Neoplatonists. Now that seems to me to be a very striking and startling piece of information. Augustine, this leading church father, took over the arguments from Neoplatonism and mixed them with the faith. What business had he doing that, we may ask? Isn't it a fact that Paul warned against philosophy? Does the truth and the faith of the Bible allow for any mixing, any syncretism, any compromise with pagan philosophy? It would seem that from one end of the Bible to the other there are stark warnings constantly issued by God's spokesmen, the prophets, and by Paul and by Jesus themselves that mixing the biblical revelation with alien philosophical systems is something to be avoided at all costs. And yet historians are quite candid in their admission that Christianity did that very thing. It did mix alien philosophies with the faith, and notably in the doctrine of the immortality of the soul. That's to say the natural immortality of the soul, that man is innately immortal from birth. That idea doesn't come from the Bible, it comes from Plato and from Neoplatonism through the Church Fathers and into the traditions which many cling to tenaciously as though they were the very truth of the Bible. Now the same authority from which we were just reading says this also in regard to the Greek influence that came to bear on the Christian Church in the early centuries. It says this, I quote, Hellenism, that's to say the Greek influence, unlike its rival, has no separate existence Today, but it too lives on. For it was the genius of Christianity to weld together into a new organic unity elements drawn primarily from Stoic ethics, from the later Platonic metaphysics, from Oriental mysticism, and from Roman administration, as well as from the faith and hope of Israel. End of quotation. What an amazing admission! Hellenism, that's to say the system of Greek philosophical thinking, was an opponent of Christianity. But listen to what happened. Hellenism, says this author, lives on. How did that come to be? Well, Christianity embraced it. It lived on within the circle of Christian thinking. And so this author admits that it was the genius of Christianity to weld together into a new organic unity, elements drawn from Stoic Ethics, Platonic Metaphysics, and Oriental Mysticism, as well as from Roman Administration." End of quotation. It seems to us that that fatal mixing of alien elements with the Christian faith ought really to be described for what it really is, not something to be attributed to genius but something which produced a kind of witch's brew of confusion. So many scholars have pointed out to us that Christianity did undergo that fatal mixing of Greek philosophy with the original faith, but the public is seldom exposed to these quotations and these declarations by historians and theologians. Let me read you one such complaint from a leading scholar. His name is Jacques Ellul. And he has this to say about the addition of Greek philosophy to the original Hebrew faith. I quote, A familiar example of the mutation to which revelation was subjected is its contamination by the Greek idea of the immortality of the soul. I will briefly recall this, says Jacques Ellul. In Jewish thought, death is total. There's no immortal soul, no division of body and soul, and Paul's thinking is Jewish in this regard. The soul belongs to the psychical realm and is part of the flesh. The body is the whole being. In death, there is no separation of body and soul. The soul is as mortal as the body. But there is going to be a resurrection. Out of the nothingness that human life becomes God creates anew the being that was dead. This is creation by grace. There's no immortal soul intrinsic to us. Now Greek philosophy, however, introduces among theologians the idea of the immortal soul. The belief was widespread in popular religion and it was integrated into Christianity, but it's a total perversion. All Christian thinking is led astray by this initial mutation that comes through Greek philosophy and Near Eastern cults. Belief in the soul's celestial immortality arose in the second half of the 5th century BC on the basis of astronomy. Pythagorean astronomy radically transformed the idea of the destiny of the soul held by Mediterranean peoples. It substitutes the notion of a soul of celestial substance, exiled in this world. Now this idea, Jacques Ellul goes on to say, completely contaminates biblical thinking, gradually replaces the affirmation of the resurrection, and transforms the kingdom of the dead into the kingdom of God. In the quotation from Jacques Ellul's book, The Subversion of Christianity, published by Edmonds in 1986, and that was from page 25. What a most revealing statement that is. Do you realize that the Christian faith has been contaminated by alien philosophy? What sense does it make that we read and study our Bibles on the one hand and then convince ourselves of doctrines which in fact do not come from the Bible? Whenever you hear of souls going to heaven at death, you are not hearing the voice of Jesus, but the voice of alien platonic philosophy. It is important for Bible students to realize that Christian teaching was transformed by the influence of Hellenism in the second century and onwards. Now the results of that transformation and that mutation, that contamination by Greek philosophy have been utterly devastating. Messianic hopes were forgotten. The Kingdom of God on the earth as the real hope of the Christians to be realized when Christ returns were forgotten. The notion of the kingdom of God on earth disappeared. Immortality at death took the place of the resurrection of the faithful into the future kingdom of God on the earth. Let me read now from the Encyclopedia Britannica from an article in which a leading student of the history of theological ideas, G.W. Knox, D.D., L.L.D., Professor of Philosophy and the History of Religion at Union Theological Seminary, wrote the following about the development of Christianity following the New Testament period. He says this, Like all concepts, the meaning of religious terms is changed with a changing experience and a changing worldview. Transplanted into the Greek worldview, inevitably the Christian teaching was modified, indeed transformed. Questions which had never been asked came to the foreground, and the Jewish presuppositions tended to disappear. Isn't that remarkable? Didn't Jesus have those Jewish presuppositions? And those are the very presuppositions which this author says disappeared as the faith moved out of its Jewish environment into the paganized world of Greek philosophy. Dr. Knox goes on. Especially, he says, the messianic hopes were forgotten or transferred to a transcendent sphere beyond death. When the empire became Christian in the 4th century, the notion of a kingdom of Christ on the earth to be introduced by a great struggle all but disappeared, remaining only as the faith of obscure groups. Immortality, the philosophical conception, took the place of the resurrection of the body. Nevertheless, the resurrection of the body continued because of its presence in our primary sources, but it's no longer a determining factor since its presupposition, the messianic kingdom on earth, has been obscured. As thus the background is changed from Jewish to Greek, so are the fundamental religious conceptions. We have thus a peculiar combination. The religious doctrines of the Bible run through the forms of an alien philosophy. End of quotation from Dr. Knox's article in the Encyclopedia Britannica, 11th edition, volume 6, page 284. Now that statement again is an extraordinary indictment of the way in which tradition has been uncritically accepted. Have we grasped the fact that messianic ideas were forgotten and obscured in the post-biblical development? But if that is so, then Jesus' primary idea... His messianic hope of the kingdom of God on earth was obscured. Are we troubled by the fact that Jesus' words were rendered null and void by the overwhelming influence of Greek philosophy? It would appear that if we love Jesus and his teaching, we would want to get rid of that veneer of Greek philosophy which has clouded the faith and made it difficult to understand. I've written a book on the kingdom of God entitled The Coming Kingdom of the Messiah, a solution to the riddle of the New Testament. We'd like you to have a copy of this book if you would telephone us at the number to be given at the end of this program or write to us at our address in Atlanta at Atlanta Bible College. That address will be given also at the end of the program. We also have a booklet entitled What Happens When You Die? A Biblical View of Death and Resurrection. This will show you the original biblical teaching about the state of man in death and our prospect and hope of being resurrected in the future. Ask for a copy of this book if you'd like to have one. The telephone number will be given at the end of this program. Remember that Jesus was a Jew who must be studied in his own first century Palestinian Jewish environment. Join us again as we continue our discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.